No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our tots on target. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We are excited to be bringing you our fifth episode on the topic of rolling. When babies roll from belly to back, back to belly, and there's a lot of questions that we've been getting recently on this topic. So we thought we would bring in a good friend of ours, Stacy Menz. She is a pediatric physical therapist and the owner of her own practice in San Francisco, California called Starfish Therapies, which is also her handle on Instagram. And she's just a wealth of knowledge. So we really had a great conversation with her about this topic and we know that you are going to get a lot of insight, whether you are a parent of a young baby or a professional. There's a lot of information here that will give you great insights into the rolling milestone. Also, if you could please subscribe so you don't miss an episode and give us a rating or leave a comment so that other parents and professionals can find us more easily, that would be so helpful. Thank you so much. Hi, Stacey. It is so nice to have you join us today. We are so excited to be interviewing you, and this is just such a special treat. So welcome. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. Something that we have actually gotten a lot of questions about recently on our um, on our Instagram account, on a lot of direct messages, on our website, totsontarget.com, are a lot of questions parents have about rolling. Do you get that yes. too? Yes, I do. A lot. <laughs> so let's start off with what is the age range of rolling, right? We have tummy to back and back to tummy. So what do you say when parents ask you about the age range? So I'll be honest, I always struggle with this. There's the milestones that everybody reads and I'm a new parent. So even though I went to PT school and work with kids, I still have checked out the milestones on everything. And so a lot of times it says around four to six months. And I think that that is probably a pretty good general time frame. And I know that that's about when my doctor started asking the question. But I just, when I'm talking with parents, a lot of times I'm asking them, like, what are the skills that their child is doing? Because I want to know if they're going to have some of the building blocks to help them. Like, are they looking at a toy? Are they like interested in something else? Um, are they starting to push up on their arms? Are all of these things are going to help with getting to rolling. Um, as opposed to if a child's just very content to lay there and kind of have the world come to them. Crazy because we're talking about such a short amount of time, right? We're talking about four to six months, which in a lifespan is such a short period of time. So when parents, you know, are nervous or they're looking at their sister's baby, their friend's baby, oh, that baby's rolling at this time. We are talking about such a short range. So you're right. Even if at five and a half months, you're seeing a lot of those things there, but your baby just hasn't gone full swing yet. A lot of those building blocks are there and it's probably going to happen on his or her own time. 
And actually something that I've also um, had as a question, and this actually happened with my first baby also, is that they'll say, my baby rolled, but then stopped rolling. Yes. Yes. And a lot of times it's because it's, uh, I guess, reflexive is the better, is the right word for it, but all their extensors turn on. So they can tend to go into full extension and then it just kind of tips with the weight of their head because their heads tend to be way bigger than proportionally than the rest of their body and they end up on their back. But that wasn't a purposeful role at that point in time. Right. And that and that does usually happen, tummy to back. And yes. you'll rarely have an accidental roll from back to belly. And so you're right. It's it's that extension and sometimes that momentum if they're rocking back and forth, especially if they're angry in tummy time and they're working themselves up. Yes. And then all of a sudden yes. they find themselves on their back and they're like, how did I get there? And as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, my baby rolled. He's like a gross motor <laughs> genius. And really, as much as he might be a genius and might be amazing at gross motor skills, it was more likely accidental and not necessarily purposeful until you're noticing some of those other things that you talked about, Stacey, kicking in yes. and, and those precursors. Stacey, what do you say to parents when they say, well, why is rolling important? Why is this a milestone that I should be like encouraging or just making sure that my little one is reaching? You know, why, why does rolling really you know, support the developmental sequence? What is the role of rolling? It's really one of their first opportunities to independently explore their environment. It teaches them that they can do something and they can get somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. that independent exploration, I think is so important. And so like we stress that even for our kids that maybe aren't developing typically and rolling is that first chance that babies really get to do that on their own. And all that does is it builds on their desire to move because they Mm -hmm. figure out like, I can get there. So now what can I get to? And then even that, so rolling, when they go to start crawling on their belly or trying to move forward, a lot of times they go into a roll and that's Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to grade their movements. But like they roll and then they're like, okay, that's not what I wanted to do. So then they come back and they slowly inch their way forward. But what they do is they learn how to refine their movement. So now they'll catch themselves before they go all the way over and come back to the middle. And next thing you know, they're on their belly. So it just really sets them up for that next level, all the motor planning that builds on itself. You're right. Rolling happens to be a part of a lot of transition movements. Mm -hmm. Refining that to get into a sitting position or, you know, onto all fours is part of that transition that the roll is setting them up to be able to do. Right. And also, I think it's laying that stage, like you mentioned, Stacey, about like that problem-solving ability. Like I've seen babies on their bellies grab, you know, a toy in the environment and then roll onto their backs to play with it. Like, because they realize that now they can have more free movement in their arms. They can manipulate the toy better. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool too. It's it's almost like they're starting to problem solve. Like, oh, now I have the toy that I've been wanting. And now I can roll to my back and now I can use both hands to play with it. Yes. Um, so I think that's really cool too, that, that just that higher, that problem solving that's happening. And yeah. a, another area that's interesting with rolling and problem solving is you think that they're not moving yet, but really you'll come back to the room and your baby <laughs> was on one end and all of a sudden they've rolled and then now they're stuck under the couch on the other end of the room. Oh yeah. I read something somewhere that said, if they're not crying, leave them there for a little bit because they might be able to problem solve their way out of it. But yes. and obviously if they're really stuck, like help them out. But I think rolling is exactly that, an opportunity to problem solve. How did I I get into this position? Wait, can I get out of it? And it's really their chance to explore the floor 
Yes. If we're talking about within the milestones going from tummy to back first, but usually it's sort of accidental. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find as a PT you're working on the skill of tummy to back or usually not? Usually as a PT, you're working on the skill back to tummy. I think a lot of times I'm working on the skill back to tummy. Which makes sense because it's, I think even like when I'm thinking of my own daughter, I agree. I feel like when she went from tummy to back, she sort of, it happened on accident. I feel like she was shocked. Like she was surprised. Yes. I work a lot more on back to tummy because a lot of times I'm also rolling them into tummy time because I find that if you help them roll into tummy time too, like they have a little bit longer tolerance of it because they're like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. You get those couple extra seconds in the beginning. And I like to teach kids that they don't just magically appear in a position also. Yes. So, oh, I rolled into this. um, And then for the tummy to back, you know, I'm working on tummy time already and I'm working on that pushing up and stuff like that. And and it's when the weight shift becomes more controlled that they start to figure out how to do it. If a baby has not had a tremendous amount of tummy time or for some reason is lacking some strength in the arms and shoulders, Um, they are going to have difficulty going from tummy to back because they do need that upper body strength to rotate them. But for parents wondering why their baby might have difficulty rolling and their arms are out to the side, you know, they do need to be closer to the body and pushing up to get that leverage that they really need. Right. It would be like trying to tip. So, I mean, if you think about it, like it's a wider base of support. So if their hands are out to the side, it's a lot harder to tip something over than if they were underneath and it's a lot easier to tip. So it'd be like standing with your two feet close together and somebody trying to push you over versus you standing in like a basketball defensive stance. Right. Like on a New York City subway, you stand with your legs wide apart so that you can (laughs) hold your balance. Yes. (laughs) So how do you use vision to play into rolling? So one of the big things is like you want them to, you want the baby to engage with something. So Um, I want them to be attending to something, whether it's my face or a toy. Um, And so I'm going to use it so they're tracking with their eyes and going to use that to help initiate the movement. Because if they're turning to look, you know, and you can help them with the reach. But I want them to be attending and interested in what I'm doing because that interest and engagement is going to carry over into a desire to move, to follow. What child might have a difficult time rolling? So sometimes a child that has a torticollis, which is like a tight neck from a lot of times how they were positioned in utero. I just learned the stat, which I feel like I should have known it, that I think it's like if a baby is 19.75 inches or bigger, there's like an 80% chance that they're going to have a torticollis in utero. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I need to go like double check it, but it's somebody who teaches torticollis classes that told me that. A reliable source. (laughs) Yes, it was a very reliable source. But I was like, oh, interesting to know. So that could play into it just because, again, they're not, there's some asymmetry there where they have a preference of their head going one way. Add into that the ATNR reflex, which all babies have. And it could just be that they have even more of a preference going to one side. Some babies are born with a little bit lower muscle tone. They're the ones that you like pick up and they just kind of like squish into you, you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of like jello almost um and so for them it just takes a lot more work to turn their muscles on so everything is harder so the way i describe low muscle tone to parents is it's friday evening 
you've got the kids to bed, the week is over, you sit down on the couch to turn on your favorite TV show and somebody calls you to come into the other room. And like the energy you have to exert to get out of off of that couch is what they have to go through every time they turn their have to turn their muscles on to move. That's a really good analogy. I like that Thank one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and where we might move and kind of keep a little bit of action going in our muscles or a little bit of underlying activity, they move and they stop. And so then they yeah. have to restart every time. So not only does it take more to start, they have a, they don't keep it going. That can cause kids to have some challenges. It's just, it doesn't mean that they're going to be behind forever. It just means they have to work a little bit harder early on and keep up because there's so many skills they're developing. They're growing so much. So all those things can impact it. Yeah. The other thing is babies that, again, I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but like babies that spend too much time in carriers or devices. And mm -hmm. I'm not a all or nothing type person because I know that real life happens, but there's a difference between like putting a baby in something to go do something or for a few minutes versus having them in it all day long. And so when they're not getting that chance to explore their movement on their own and feel how gravity interacts with them and stuff like that, they're losing all of that exploratory time with their bodies. Yeah. Right. One other thing that I've dealt with, um, with kids who have difficulty rolling is actually muscle tightness. I was doing a FaceTime call with a friend whose baby was sitting already six and a half months, but never rolled, was not rolling. And you might think like, okay, well, you're past that stage, so just forget about it. But really, when I when I asked her a few questions and I had her lie him down on his back, she mentioned that he always arches his back when he's trying to roll or look to the side. I asked her to stretch his hips a little bit and rock side to side. She's like, oh, he, he does feel a little tight there. So I told her, you know, just stretch those hips and I showed her how to do it. And within a few days, she texted me that he was rolling. So when you sometimes miss that milestone, there could be something else that's underlying that while he had, he was sitting, if she put him into a sitting position, he was able to sit there stably, mm -hmm. but that was going to affect later on for sure how he was going to transition in and out of sitting or yes. in and out of crawling. So sometimes there might be something else going on that's worthwhile to speak to a professional about, you know, why else? And, um, mm -hmm. and actually I've also treated kids with a tongue lip tie that there's a lot of tightness yeah. throughout the body. And so if your baby has had that, there's also reason to just check out if the lower body can also be affected in that tightness. Sometimes there's compensatory muscle tightness that's compensating for the upper body and even the mouth muscles because everything's connected. So just like an extra tidbit, yeah, you know, in case anybody out there is dealing with this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, not to go back to like my son, but like when he has the, he had the tightness on one side of his body. And so I was working on rolling a lot to work as a strengthening on the lengthened side. And so I was only doing the one side. And then, I mean, I called myself out on Instagram too, but like I went to like practice to the other side and he couldn't lift up. And I was like, I know that I know that I know to practice to both sides. And yet because <laughs> I was focusing on this one thing, he now, so he could do one half of rolling on each side, but like couldn't complete it, couldn't initiate on one side and couldn't complete on the other side. And I was like, right. So you're right. So even, even for kids who have torticollis or plagiocephaly, which is flattening mm -hmm. of the head, it's yes. very important to practice all skills in both directions. Yes. Because again, you might, you might think that they could do it, but really 
you're not practicing it and they need yeah. practice. Like any typically developing baby needs practice in all directions of every skill. So you want yes. to be practicing in all ways. When you are seeing little ones in your clinic and if, you know, babies, if they're, you know, if the babies are not rolling or whatever, do you, how do you help teach them how to roll? Like, do you initiate at the hips? Do you do more stuff with the vision up and out and try to get the rotation, the upper body? How do you feel like it works? You've seen it work the best. Or what do you tell parents to do to sort of like help carry out that that role? So a lot of times we've done a combination of all of the above um, okay. and seeing what the child responds to. We want to see if they're going to engage. So like we actually generally start with the vision or the hearing, I guess, first also to see like if they're going to turn their head. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not reaching across the body, like towards it, we might help with that a little bit, but then we always go to the hip and like right. help them complete it from there. So like we might have them initiate a little bit from, we do the initiation from the top mm-hmm. and get the leg going, but you know, you only have so many hands. After right, a right, while. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, the hip, we always kind of help them on because we want that segmental rolling also. So you kind of want it to come in pieces. Right. That um, makes sense. Yeah. And so it depends if the child's not even engaging or initiating, like we will have the parents spend a little bit more time like practicing reaching and helping with that stuff. Um, If we're just looking to give them the motion, like you're just getting them in and out, like we might just go from the hip, like to be like, oh, look, we're getting into tummy time just so that they're feeling the experience. Um, It kind of depends on what the purpose is of why we're doing it. And then we really look to what can the parent take on when they go home. Cause I don't want to give them a million things if all they can do is one. So if it's just t- um, roll them into tummy time after diaper change or roll them out, you know, and that's all that mm-hmm. they're going to manage, then that's what we'll do. But in what cases would you want to only work on that log roll instead of the segmental roll? Because typically for rolling, right? We want that segmental roll, yes. right? The head first, like as the arm reaches, yes. the head rolls, then the trunk follows and the hips and legs follow after that. The log roll is literally like rolling a log. It's like a stiff motion. Yes. So yeah. in what case would you want to focus on the log roll instead of the segmental roll? I mean, I'm I'm always going to want to do the segmental roll, but like sometimes it's just getting a child used to the movement sometimes just giving them that input, like and making it a fun game, like that they're moving through. And then again, you pause in the t- on the tummy because a lot of it's like at the, getting them to tolerate tummy time. Um, and then you like roll them out and making it a game. So that's when I'm kind of doing it just fast. I don't want to say faster, but it is faster. And I'm not focusing on the skill as much as like the experience. Of it's the like move. the vestibular sense yes. firing, right? Yes. Like getting the vestibular motion and then just practicing getting in and out. As you said earlier, you want babies to feel the motion of how they get into a position yes. rather than just yes. placing them there. So if you're really working on tummy time, you might say, okay, let's just roll them over to get yeah. into tummy time instead of actually yes. practicing the more refined skill of rolling. Um, I just had another thought. So when you're talking about like the log rolling, I've had a few kids where like they know you're trying to help them roll and they actively resist going. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that like you find the toy and you get them over quick. And so they start to associate it with like, oh, this gets me somewhere. But it's those, you know, you hear like, oh, I try to help them, but they're like fighting. And I think that's with some kids that are a little bit older that haven't rolled yet. Um, so that's one where it's just like you get, you just teach them like, and have something super fun there when they end up on their belly. Yeah. But that can show them that they can get there. Right. Cause for okay. older babies, there might even be a little bit of a fear factor as they're 
learning their vestibular sense as well. They're learning about gravity. They're learning yes. about what's around them, where their body is in space. So if they're a little bit over, older and their cognition is a little bit more yeah. active, not knowing where their body is going could be a little bit frightening. Yes. I almost say it seems like they have gravitational instability because it's like you start to bring them forward and they're like, no, and they want to like lay back, like back again, because that's like, I feel safe there. Um, and then the other thing is I do a lot of side lying with kids. Yes. It kind of gets forgotten, but like from side lying, you know, again, it can be somewhat accidental, but they can tip onto their belly or they can tip onto their back, but they're getting a little bit of movement. And it also helps with that, like, crossbody engaging with a toy because it's right in front of them and things like that. So, and I hear from a lot of parents like, well, they don't stay in sideline. Well, you can try with a towel roll, but sometimes like you just kind of have to put your leg behind them and like hold their hips there so that they play because it's not necessarily an easy position. Like they will just go one way or another, but it is, it makes the transition of rolling in either direction a little bit easier because they only have half of it to do. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. The halfway point, which is good. What? So at what point would we say a parent needs to work on rolling? I think we're all in the same boat that the more yeah. tummy time we can give babies to figure things out on their own, right. the better, right? Like babies in, in, in theory don't need to be taught all skills because open right. play oh. and allowing movement is going to help them learn how to do these things on their own. But I guess we get parents asking a lot, like, do I need to help my baby with this skill? So what is your answer in that situation? It's a tough question because there's so many factors. It is. It is. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say the kids with low tone need more practice just because they need more and more repetitions than right. the right. typical case of torticollis, especially if you see a child with torticollis super early. Right. And even, even four to six months is early to get yes. a diagnosis of low tone even. Yes. Um, so you might just see your baby being floppy. And even doctors, I think, have a hard time. Like, is this just a chubby baby who you can't see his joints? <laughs> or is this really a low tone baby? Is that not yes. that's the professional way to say that? But it it is. I feel mm -hmm. like we look at babies and it's not always clear, especially before they're doing a lot of movement. Right. Especially if they're a borderline case. If they're really low right. tone, like a child with Down syndrome, it's very clear, but yes. there are those children that are on the lower end of normal that might take yes. a little bit longer getting to those milestones, but it is hard to tell if they're really low tone or they're just chunky monkeys and mm -hmm. they're, you know, just take a little bit more effort because, but actually I'm going to, I'm going to step back on my own words for a second. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I believe what I'm saying because I do think that chunkier babies do have a little mm -hmm. bit more access to move. Yes. However, yep. It really is not an excuse for why a baby is not reaching milestones within a relatively Correct. appropriate age range. So if your baby's not rolling by six and a half, seven months, I wouldn't just attribute that to weight. Right. Right. I, right. I would say, no, a baby even should be able to move their body, even if they have some extra body on them. Um, and mm -hmm. that babies are so super cute. But, um, yes. you know, but that's not that isn't a reason to say my baby can't do it because he's chubby. Um, it's really, you know, again, maybe right. a few weeks later or they struggle a little bit, but it's not a reason to not be meeting milestones within a typical range. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. Right. And then I think the other hard part is, again, the having spending a lot of time on their back or in 
like equipment. I just feel like it's it's so important. There's so much that's happening, even from a sensory perspective, like you mentioned, Allison, touching on the vestibular system and you know, you know, even some of the cognitive functioning as far as learning how to problem solve and explore the environment. And it's a really important milestone. So I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of parents. What toys do you actually use a lot for purposeful um, play? Yeah. So I love that like suction cup spinner Ferris wheel looking thing. Mm-hmm. That's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, beads for rolling has like those New Orleans, like the Mardi Gras beads. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get them, you can get them at Target in the party favor section, but like babies love those. And then the O balls that have something that like rattles in them is also good because mm-hmm. it gives a little bit of a sound. Like they can get their fingers around it. Um, we have this, it's really old, but it has worked for a lot of our kids. It's a, I think it's a leapfrog and they don't make it anymore because I've looked for it. Um, but like a piano that like is super, um, you ta- doesn't take a lot to turn it on and it has lights and it plays like baby nursery rhymes almost. So the babies seem to love that one, but of course I can't find anywhere and it's probably going to die right. one of these days at the clinic. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, those like s- really simple toys, but the Ferris wheel spinny thing has been like, yeah, super. I think probably also things that are easy for babies to grab as well. Like I know that they make those balls with like big holes in them, right. Yep. Or rattles, as you said, like things yes. that they can grab at easily. And the O balls, I think, are even easier than rattles because all it takes is like that hooking a finger around it almost because um, then they don't know how yeah. to let go and then they <laughs> are moving it. But no, I think this is that, exciting. Exactly. And then the other thing is I used a lot of like the activity center with the things hanging down and I replaced some or made some longer with hooks. But like for sideline, it was great because you could put them a little bit lower and they could just like bat at it. And if yeah. If you're challenging, you know, a baby in a position that is not easy and not maybe not so, you know, a position that he or she is not used to, you almost want a toy that's like super motivating because you want to be able to keep the baby in that position for as long as you can or then encourage the movement into the role. So you want to really like make it motivating. Oh, yeah. We usually have a whole bin of toys by us at the clinic that we like, okay, if one stopped working, we pull the next one in and it's yeah. like just yeah. a rotation right. of them. And, and a baby might love one toy one day and then not want to look at it the next day. Exactly. I've also seen you use mirrors, right? Would yes. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mirrors. Lying. I yes. feel like looking at themselves and sideline, they'd be like, who's that? Oh, yeah. Mirrors are great. Um, yeah. They're like, oh, there's a baby there. <laughs> I don't know it's a baby, but like, they're like, it's shiny. <laughs> I feel like I'm always like, and they're like crackly books also. The soft books that like crackle and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Good, good for some of that tactile mm-hmm. touching. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, this was so wonderful. We, I feel like we packed so much information into this. So this was so great, Stacey. So can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at Starfish Therapies. You could go to our website, starfishtherapies.com. We have a blog there. We have a shop. We also have a YouTube channel. So most of my videos that I put on Instagram, I also put over onto YouTube as well. And then we're on Facebook and Twitter at Motor Smart Kids on Twitter because Starfish Therapies is one letter too long. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, like, but yeah, all these all these platforms. It's so much. Exactly, I know. But I'm on Instagram the most. I feel like so. Right, and and I and we really have to say that Stacey, you are such a wealth of information, and your videos of your son, and there's so much that you do right in front of the camera that is really helpful to parents and professionals. So, oh, good. Uh, we we really highly recommend that everybody go out and follow Starfish Therapies because they're, you're going to just learn so much about every milestone. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Stacey. This is really amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information, and since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or a local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.